Thank you for checking out this episode on Really Dicey's Game Master podcast. You can see the video version of this discussion on YouTube, as well as more content on reallydicey.com. Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out this episode of Really Dicey. This is Manny. I'm Matt. I'm Seth. Randall. So today, uh, this is actually a continuation of sorts of a previous roundtable discussion we had about magic items, about how to make them more magical. So we decided we're going to start focusing on different aspects of, of magic items in role-playing games. And today we're going to talk about potions. So uh, I will pass it to Matt and he'll lead the discussion. All right. So uh, potions. So we go back to the beginning. In the first edition Dungeon Master's Guide, Gary Gygax tells us that potions are usually found in vials. Uh, he describes them as being ceramic, crystal, glass, or metal. There's usually one dose per vial. Um, now, this is interesting because I started playing with second edition. And, you know, at the table, you kind of lose sight of what maybe the original rules were. <laughs> so originally, um, potions could be uh, ID'd or identified by, by sampling a little bit of them. You just took a little drink, a little tiny taste, and you get a little inkling of what the potion actually did. Originally, you could, you could identify a potion by sampling a little bit. But he also said uh, that the potions should not be uniform, so they're not easy to identify without sampling them. And I think the idea was that some of them are poison, and Gary Gygax could be a real jerk sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> with his death throes. <laughs> um, also in the, uh, the DMG, we've got the wonderful miscability tables when you mix two potions together. Those are always fun. You can, uh, sometimes they explode, sometimes they're lethal. Uh, and sometimes you can even discover a new potion. So that's great. So that's how potions started in the game. Uh, but we've all used potions in our games often as kind of a one-shot magic item for everybody. Every class could use that. So, Emmanuel, how do you use the potions in your games? Well, to me, there's almost like there's two types of potions. There's the healing potions and everything else. Um, yeah. So with healing potions, I would use that to give to my players at times if I know that maybe the encounter might be too difficult for them. So I may have it uh, available. And I, I do it sparingly. Like if they go through a probably the only shop that may have it, maybe there's like two vials available. Um, just so they, you know, they don't overdo it. And you don't want that situation where it's like, you have a bunch of vials and they're like five gold pieces each. And oh, you forgot that that one player has 200 gold pieces. Guess what they're doing with it? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's what I mean by the other. So when it comes to other potions, I try to be very careful how I uh, give. I try not to make them random because it, it could sometimes put a wrench in your game, you know? Um, so what I do is, is that I, I, when I plan, let's say a dungeon and I know there's a trap coming up or an instance that might be, um, might require some ingenuity in some way, uh, around it. I may give them a certain potion, like let's say, uh, an invisibility potion so that it may help them, um, get around that instance. Now I, I try not to tell them what they want to do it for. I try, actually, I try to avoid that completely. I want them to figure out what they want to do with it. And sometimes I get a, I get like a good surprises from the players when they find another way to use it that I didn't plan for. And that, that's fine. Uh, actually, I prefer that. I actually uh, mm -hmm. reward them if they, they um, get out of instance by finding creative ways of using the items that they have instead of just always like hacking and slashing. Um, but that, that in a nutshell is what I use potions for in my games. 
cool. Yeah. How about you, Randall? What do you do with potions? I mean, similar to Manny, I think um, I would go, there's a, a point where I, I think about potions in a very specific way, though, and, and it's it's a way to balance the game when I don't want my party getting overpowered. Everybody wants all the magic items, right? Um, but if I give them a ring of invisibility, then I've really kind of ratcheted up their abilities to a point where I can't predict how they might use it or if it makes them too powerful right. versus a potion is consumable, right? I know that, hey, one-time use, right? And then we're done. Um, so I, I think I tend to lean more on potions sometimes than I would magic items, especially at lower levels because I want to get them feeling awesome and doing cool things, but I don't want them to be too reliant on that. And I don't also want them to break every campaign because like, well, I'm, look at me, I'm Frodo. I got the ring, right? Um, <laughs> there's got to be some balance there. And so I think for potions, it's it's a nice way of, of giving them something without making it such a long-term impact on the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, for that sort of one-time use. I agree with Manny on the on the healing potions, though. That's always a tricky one. And, it, you know, group composition matters if there's a cleric or a paladin, they're going to heal. Um, the other thing I do with uh, healing potions, though, is I actually do go with the recommended cost of healing potions straight out of the, the fifth edition guide, which is they aren't cheap, man. They're like 50, <laughs> it's like 50 gold for a basic healing potion. It's like there's some economy here. Yeah. So if they're going to buy them, they're going to pay for those things. <laughs> but, you know, of course, they find some once in a while, too. Sure. All right, Seth, how about your side of the screen? What do you think of potions as a player? Well, in my, in my experience, potions are even, from, my, from what I've seen, potions are even, even rarer than magic items. Um, you might find one or two, but I've always played in games where you couldn't... Re couldn't readily identify that. So you'd have them, but you have no idea what you're doing with them. And then it just turns into a, you know, I'm about to die, I'll just take this, hopefully it does something cool. Uh, I also like when potions aren't the typical in a nice little glass vial. Like uh, maybe it's a healing potion, but it looks like slime and you wouldn't normally drink it, but it turns it turns out it's it's a healing potion but for another race so <laughs> i like it when they're different um they're different makeups yeah yeah um i want to go back to something you said um identifying potions so um what do you guys like for identifying potions so um on one end there's uh <clears throat> there's there's gygax suggestion of allowing people to sample them a little bit you know, yeah, um, you know, take a, it's a potion of levitivity and, and you feel lightheaded <laughs> or it's a potion of invisibility and your, your tongues disappear, uh, your tongue disappears. <laughs> um, what are the act, what are the original rules for identifying a potion? Uh, how could you identify a potion? I think that's actually well, literally the only one was. Yeah, you, you tasted it. Oh, or take so, it to a potion maker, maybe. So, so, so you couldn't cast you couldn't cast spells on it to try to identify it because it's not technically a magic item, right? Well, it is a magic item. Um, I'm not sure you, identify was a spell in first edition anyway. Identify. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking such a weird spell, and it changed so much that yeah. I have, yeah. actually have to go and look it up. Uh, but they did have they did have specialists 
in first edition, uh, they had an alchemist, which, yeah. you know, someone who helps you make potions. So I would imagine if you took it to the alchemist and paid him a bunch of money, he'd tell you what it was. Okay, but in a dungeon per se, there'd be absolutely no way to tell. In okay. a dungeon, you have to you have to sample it. Those are the rules as they're written. But yeah, okay. so there are other ways to go around that. I, there, what I'm I okay like, with. Like, this is one of those fun. So much of this, I think, is context specific, right? It really kind of depends on your party and the situation and stuff like that. I'll, I will say I've never done the tasting and I've never had anybody ask to do a potion tasting. I feel like they're at a brewery suddenly and they're like, hey, let, bring me out a sample platter and I'll try them. Um, usually what I'll do is either, well, I should say this, the game has evolved, right? And it, it's funny sometimes to think about the way D&D as played, not necessarily as written, has co-evolved with video games. Um, right. So, you know, in most video games, if it's a blue potion, it's healing, right? And so right. even in D&D, I run into players all the time who are like, what color is it, blue? Okay, that's a healing <laughs> potion. And I'm like, guess what? Not anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I think there are cues that you can, breadcrumbs that you might want to leave for your player that I do sometimes. Um, maybe it has something to do with a certain smell uh, or, you know, if it's a really pungent, nasty smell, maybe that's an indicator to them it's not a positive effect. Like, you can play that game with them a little bit. Uh, color is another one. If it's somebody, if there is a, a wizard or somebody who is, as you said, trained in, in sort of the alchemy or the arcanist arts, then I'll let them make an attempt at identifying something if they've got enough background in their character to yeah, that maybe yeah. they've seen that sort of thing before. The key, though, I think with that is you never give them an absolute, right? Like you never say, oh yes, you identify that that's clearly a healing potion. Like, mm, no, it's, you're 75% confident that's a healing potion, right? Like you want that, you want a little bit of doubt in there sure, for that. Sure. I like to, I like to leave them hints uh, yeah. that they could, they can, they can try to puzzle out. And, um, you know, they're, they're magical, they're elixirs. So I really kind of lean into that. You know, so if it's an potion, potion of invisibility, maybe the potion is invisible. The liquid is invisible. You can hear it, you can feel it, but you can't see it. <laughs> or um, maybe you know it's a potion of levitation, and the the liquid all sits at the top of the vial instead of at the bottom. You know, mm -hmm. um, what would you do for giant? A potion of giant size. That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, okay. So I was just about to say, if you can't think of anything to do there, you could you could write a poem or something. I, mm -hmm. You know, we in a in a recent issue of Knights of the Dinner Table, they found a a potion of uh, giant strength, and it was in a wine bottle, and the wine bottle had some sort of poem on it. I can't remember it, but some sort of poem on it about um, strength or friendship and and something yeah. like that. So. You know, just something for the characters to talk about. Um, so you you could also have like the history of the potion kind of give an indication of what it is. Maybe maybe it's actually a vial of a hero's blood, right? And it turns out to be a potion of heroism or something. Right. You know, so yeah, it's like it's that sort of environmental storytelling yes. that you really kind of lay back on, and and depending on where they find it who they got it from, the, the, the characteristics of the potion itself that can kind of help tell that story a little bit. And I think not only does that, not only does that give them hints, which you, you're looking for, 
but it actually adds, I think, to the depth of the world that you're creating too, that immersiveness. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, creating potions in the laboratory and everything, which is great. I love the idea of uh, an alchemist in his, in his ab laboratory with the smoking bottles and the, you know, the skulls on the wall and all, you know, mixing all that stuff. But what you don't want, or what I don't want, is it to become kind of a factory manufacturer thing, like a like a a, a, a factory floor floor full of gnomes mixing together pixie juice. Yeah, the Moderna of the of the potion world. Right? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's a timely reference. Yep. So, um, but there there are a couple other uses of uh, potions that I wanted to to touch on. Um, aside from you know one shot magic users. You could uh, you could kind of flip it around so that you know the potion, like a particular potion, could be the whole quest of the campaign or the adventure, like the elixir of life, like the the alchemist's elixir of life. You have to find this to save somebody important who's dying. Of course, that's a little harder to do in a world where clerics can just heal everything. But <laughs> you know, still, if, if if you played it right, you could do something like that. Uh, on the other hand, maybe the potion is part of the machinations of the villain, right? Maybe the villain is creating this terrible potion uh, like a street drug or something and, and, and is being passed around the city and you have to figure out who's making this stuff. Or maybe there's nothing wrong with the potion itself, but it has a particularly vile ingredient that the cult keeps going after. Like witches ointments of flying was traditionally made with unbaptized baby fat right. right so you know if, if if children are disappearing maybe you want to find out who's making the potion and stop them hmm. so you know the potion doesn't have to be something that the players use it could even be part of the, the adventure what i like about that matt is that, that like i think potions too often get treated as a transactional item in right. in the game Right. It's like, yeah. as Manny said, they go in and they buy like, oh, we're no, we're going in to see the BBEG. So let's go stock up on healing potions or, right. you know, or even if they just find one, sometimes it's too specific to what they're trying to accomplish. I think there's a lot more uh, creativity that, that you can use potions for. And you, like you just outlined a bunch of great ones. I hope somebody who's watching this is like taking notes saying like, oh, yeah, I can write that campaign in this because there is a, there's there's just so much flavor there that you can do cool things with it. You yeah. could also you could also have a potion with an upside and a downside, meaning it's Both a potion of giant strength, but your intelligence goes down, or it's potion of gaseous form, but only you turn in the gaseous, all your stuff just falls on the floor. Right. You know, <laughs> you know that, that actually raises an interesting point. One of the things that I've always it kind of bugs me a little bit about potions is that there isn't an after effect. Right, like I, I'm comfortable with like, oh, you took a potion of invisibility, you're invisible for an hour or 10 minutes or whatever the duration is. Um, but I always felt like there ought to be an effect afterwards. Like you take a level of exhaustion or you, you know, you roll a disadvantage for something for a period of time after that. Again, just to kind of balance it out a little bit. I want a little bit of risk reward associated with it. Right, because it's, it's an actual abnormal effect. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's not it's it's not divine, it's somebody breaking the laws of physics and your body isn't meant to be invisible. So yeah, yeah. I agree. And and, 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 and 
just to jump in a little bit, especially what Seth said earlier concerning what you guys are saying now, uh, I, it always bugs me a little bit that some of this, like all these healing potions work the same way almost every time. Um, like, all right, so let's say we all went, you know, we all went to our kitchens and we all going to make, let's say oatmeal, I'll just pick oatmeal. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to make oatmeal very different from one another. Mm. So why is it that different wizards are make are why is it that different witches are making like different types of healing potions yeah like, like you said like medicine works the same way where um tylenol and ibuprofen they, yeah they help your headaches but they're very they're very different drugs they have very different side effects as well um same should, shouldn't the same thing be with healing potions why should all healing potions sort of be the same way well that that's absolutely true uh they even when they they mechanically do the same thing, they were never supposed to be uniform. You know, it says right in the right in the very beginning, right right back in here, that uh, because they're made by different wizards in different places, they taste different and smell different and look different. Uh, so there's all sorts of things you can do with that. It's funny. It's funny, like how the that's just such an interesting I think, cultural reference to the way in which it gets it has been interpreted over time, like. I almost wonder if there's like a there's a research project here of of like <laughs> modern capitalism's effect on fantasy role play. Right? Hey, yeah. <laughs> like, these things are just readily available wherever I go. I can find Tylenol, and I expect Tylenol will work the same way everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah, like what you were saying before, and and you could see a a wizard alchemist type, but then you could also see a a shaman out in the woods in in his in his hut mixing you know slimes and molds and fungus and it would technically have the same effect but right. it would look completely different yeah no, well yeah. even just the naming like think about that like mm. you walk into a shop and you're like oh where's the healing potions right well, well there's another opportunity as a dm to really add some more flavor uh, well, we don't call them healing potions they're called Magnus's elixir of rejuvenation, or you know, like you can add so much more to it uh, oh, if you sure, even sure, just think yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like going try to go into an English uh, convenience store chemist, as I call it, and try to try to ask for anything by the brand name we call them in America. Watch <laughs> the, you know, they look at you like you're yeah. an idiot. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, there's there's um, there's so many different ways to the, you know, just describe it. For instance, you know, it doesn't even have to have a potion. It could be what, uh, you know, an elixir, an ointment, um, a solve, all sorts of things. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention was the dungeon alphabet. I've mentioned this game before. Yeah. This is the fourth edition. And in the fourth edition, they've added P is for potion. And so they have 20 great things to do to your potions. So um, they have dried potions and, and uh, solidified potions, potions in pill form, but then they have weirder stuff. They have addictive potions. Now that's interesting, right? You get addicted to your potion. They have sentient potions. The potion tries <laughs> to run away and you have to catch it. I love that. Um, you know, the, what I liked was you find the potion in its component parts. So you have to mix them together. I know that's just a little thing, but it's something for the players to do. And, and you know, you need the, the wizard to mix them together properly. Maybe you take them a roll to make sure it doesn't blow up in their face. That's kind of neat. I just, well, I gotta go back to the sentient potion for a second. So if I yeah. drink the sentient potion, does that mean that the sentient thing is now like in my body? And like, can I hear them talking? 
<laughs> yes. Do <laughs> I have an internal monologue? That's it does awesome. a running commentary of I would what love it thinks that. of your insides. It takes oh, about 24 uh, hours for it to process out of your body, but the, during that time, yep. you're going to have You got to listen to it. You got to listen to it, yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's fantastic. Um, one thing you do with potions is uh, you can try to think of um, different motivations for the original creator, right? Because they weren't, they weren't, it seems like they were all created to be put in a dungeon for players to find, <laughs> but clearly they weren't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could have potions that were created for vastly different, you know, uh, different motivations and reasons. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I had a potion I called the wine of Nirvana. Seth came across this. It was, um, Originally, it, it felt like a wine of gaseous form. So when you took it, you turned into a gaseous form. But, but not only did you turn into a gaseous form, but you started to lose your emotional co connections with the material world. And so the potion lasted, the effect lasted as long as you wanted it to last. But the longer you stayed in that ethereal form, the less connection you had with the mortal world and the harder it was to come back to, to mortal form. So if you were to say, okay, I wanna let this go and be physical again. If you did it, you know, within a couple of rounds, no problem. But if you waited, if you waited a turn, you would have to make a saving a wisdom check to be able to do that or else you've reached enlightenment and you just drift off into another plane of existence. <laughs> And, and this was, this was like, you know, uh, an alchemist's dream. There was one of these potions and, and it had been hunted across the, the, you know, the centuries. It was, it was fabled. So that's the sort of thing I, li I like to do with a potion. You know, I, I get a little tired of the, you know, healing on the go potion. Oh, oh no, yeah. I've, I'm damaged. I'd better pop a healing potion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the homebrew potions, I think there's so many opportunities to do cool things with those, too. And I, I like that idea. Like, I love what you did there with, a, again, huge benefit, but a big risk, right? Because yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. forcing players to make those decisions, right? Yeah. Now, if they know about that ahead of time, they'll probably, I think to Suss' earlier point, they'll probably stash that in their bag and only use it as a last, you know, last case, uh, you know, thing. To, right. So but... but there was only one of them, so they'd have right. to get a really good lore roll to do anything about it. And uh, Seth, I believe you ran into that. How did it go? <laughs> you oh, I actually, I actually drank it. So, yeah, yeah. and it, it was actually useful because I, it were like some vents around that I used to scout and stuff. But it, I almost failed the role Matt was talking about and almost left the campaign. But luckily, I came back. I made it. Came back. But. Yeah, I, I had no idea. Well, I have a habit of not knowing what a potion is and just drinking to what it does. So I, I should add, though, that even though he, he, he made the save and there was no mechanical effect, I did make sure to tell him that oh, yes. uh, he was very sad and depressed because he had seen <laughs> enlightenment and rejected it. <laughs> just just like a, there was a to do a little tangent, there was a changeling game where I actually it into the golden apple and because of that every other food stuff that i would ingest from now until the character died tasted like ash like nothing because <laughs> you've tasted the best thing imaginable 
everything else pales in comparison. Yeah, mm. yeah, he, he actually had some ambrosia there, and, and afterwards mm. he could find no joy in food. It was very sad. Well, that's another, <laughs> the, the cool thing there, though, is that that's another example of where, like, in this case, it wasn't a potion per se, but like this consumable item. Again, more than a transactional thing. Like maybe you yeah. consumed it for a transactional purpose, but then it suddenly has an impact on the character long term. Right. right. Like, and that's the stuff I really like. I like putting players in those positions where they have to undergo some kind of change or, or you know, development. And um, I think items and, and consumables, like that's a cool thought. Like this potion, this is a life-changing experience for you. <laughs> right? That's kind of a neat idea. Well, just like corruption in Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah. It, the potion could have some sort of corruption. Like mm -hmm. if it's a gaseous form, now your hair just looks like a cloud sitting on your head for the rest yeah. of your life. Yeah. Has anybody ever done the, um, I think it's it's almost to the point of being a trope now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, the uh, the discount potion rack at, a, at your local apothecary. Oh, the potions that didn't come out quite right. Yeah, so it's on the discount rack because you know either they oh, don't, they're not sure what it is or it's it, like the Pepperidge Farm thrift store. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That I've had a lot of fun with that one because oh, okay. Player, I've never, my players never tend never to be seen that before. Okay, my players tend to be a little poor, right? Mm, all right. Expensive to be a take a gamble. Yeah, and take a gamble. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like a potion grab bag. Exactly. <laughs> no, you, you, you can broken potions. <laughs> you can work out that really well in um <clears throat> in a dungeon or a laboratory. I mean, you come into a laboratory that's uh, that's had an you know I, I ran an adventure, um and they came across a laboratory that it exploded because you know, that's what laboratories do. <laughs> so uh, you can have all sorts of ancient potions in there that are. Yeah dripping and broken or that have gone that are fermented or right or dried out or yeah you could have, you could have all sorts of potions that aren't quite right say so i played a similar one i had a there was a uh, this is kind of a side quest during a larger campaign but they were staying at this um tavern slash restaurant and strange creatures kept showing up and they did some investigation they go underground into the basement they find a place where the walls broken open. They go through and discover that oh, there's this ancient fortress that was that was here once, but is gone now. But there's a chamber that sort of was left intact. And when they go inside, they discover that there were it used to be a lab. The potions got left there. There's construction causes some of the shelves to fall over. The potions spill in, and the, the insects and the other animals start interacting with these potions that are mixing. And so you get weird mutations. And, oh, I like that. Kind of like yeah. a rocks of nims or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Goblins of nim. <laughs> well, you want owl bears? Cause that's how you get owl bears. <laughs> nice. Um, a question for everybody. Um, what, I know um, Matt showed some books. Is there any other books that have you've used in the past when it comes to like for inspiration for making potions? Ooh, for potion well, making. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of go first. Um, this is going to sound strange, but like, I don't remember, anyone remembers Legends and Lore, um, the old like uh, Book of Gods from the old D&D days. I use it as a way for like, for example, let's say if I knew of like a cleric um, uh, made a potion, I will go research a little bit like what the gods were like. So like if you drink a, a healing potion from someone that worshiped law, for example, uh, they would drink it and then these tiny spiders would come out of their wounds and start webbing their 
their uh, their uh, cuts and healing them from that. Um, yeah, that was vicious. Um, but uh, the, the coolest the, healing potion I've ever heard of, though. <laughs> you could you could have a healing potion that's uh, it was made by a lizard shaman in a lizard uh, tribe, and so when you drink it, it heals your wounds. But now your wounds, instead of skin, has lizard scales. Mm. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's slow. You can drink. You can drink as much as you want, and it'll heal you, but it'll slowly turn you into a lizard person. <laughs> or, or it makes or you for a fall of off, and you regrow a new one. <laughs> yeah, that, that that works. Yeah. My arm. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, I, uh, the one that's coming to mind is, uh, and it's actually pretty new. There, and I, it's a strange story, and I, I, I know we're not trying to do product placement. I'm really not at all here, but um, there was this. I think it was a, on Instagram or something. I saw this advertisement and somebody had published a book called uh, Fungus of the Far Realms. Hmm. And literally it was just kind of a pet project of theirs. I don't know if they were a botanist or something, but they had published this, this book. Each one had like, it looked like a journal, right? So they had like the sketches of these different fungi and then they had uh, created this sort of inventory and each one had a unique name and all these different properties associated with it. And I thought it was just such a, I wanted to support them. I was like, this is a really cool thing. And it's so obscure, right? Uh, it's never gonna make it into Canon. So I bought it and then um, I was running a campaign that took place in the Underdark. And I thought, you know, of course I have to do this. And so I did, I pulled a few potions out of kind of the fungus that this person had, had detailed in that. Um, that was just kind of a, for me, it was kind of a fun thing to do. Cool. Um, I've seen that book before. I, um, I, I don't. I've, I haven't. I haven't picked up a copy though. That's by the same company, the Troika, I believe. I believe. It's I think so too. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. But okay. In this case, I think it was an independent author, and that's like that. They went through them for publishing or something like that. But uh, it was. It's a neat little book. I mean, it's you know, if you're if you're into that kind of errata stuff, it's kind of cool. Oh, all right. Well, then maybe I'll check it out. That sounds good. All right. Well, viewers, uh, thank you for checking us out. Do you have a, a book that gave you ideas for good potions? Do you have any cool stories you want to share? Let us know in the comments below. Uh, get your shots. Get your, your potion. <laughs> get your healing <laughs> potion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Two-dose potions. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, stay safe out there. Have a great day, everyone.